welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Delighted to have you along again for another discussion of everything that's going on in the industry and everything you need to know as we navigate our way through and hopefully now beginning to get towards out of this coronavirus crisis. Absolutely delighted this afternoon to be uh, welcoming back a star of previous pod episodes, my colleague uh, Lorraine Larry. Lorraine, welcome back to the pod. All right, it's good to be back. And Lorraine and I are putting our heads together on this edition, uh, looking uh, back at the announcements that were made by the Chancellor Rishi Sunak on the 29th of May around how the coronavirus job retention scheme will continue and, and wind up as we go towards October and some of the key things that you'll need to be thinking about as you uh, navigate your way through that. Lorraine, of course, is responsible for running the REC's legal helpline, where lots of you are getting uh, your advice at the moment. Uh, Plenty of uh, interest there, Lorraine, but uh, maybe just kick off by telling us a bit about the lifespan and costs of the uh, job retention scheme as we now understand it following the Chancellor's announcement last week. Yeah, so I think we all knew that the scheme was going to be something that would be in place for you know a temporary period of time it wouldn't be a permanent fixture uh, but as you said uh, last uh, last week we had the chancellor's announcements giving us uh, a bit more information about how long the scheme is going to last and some changes that are going to be made uh, so i think the, the key things is just to look at some key dates the scheme is now due to run until the 31st of October. So that will be the, the latest that the scheme runs for. Um, but over through June to October, there will be some changes um, made to the, the scheme. So importantly, from the 1st of August, employers will need to start contributing the payments for NI and pension contributions. So through June and July, the scheme will continue to run as it has been uh, with employees receiving 80% that is paid from the scheme and employers being able to claim uh, the employer NI contribution and pension contributions. But from the 1st of August, employers will no longer be able to claim the uh, NI and pension contributions. Uh, the next change um, we'll see in terms of the, uh, the the amounts that can be claimed will be the 1st of September uh, when the government will pay 70%, so rather than the 80% of the, uh, the contribution towards employees' pay. So that'll be up to a maximum of £2,190 per month. And employers will then have to top up either the 10% to make 80% of pay, or if they've previously voluntarily being paying employers more than that, they'll have to pay the additional sum. And then from the 1st of October, the employer contribution, sorry, the the government uh, contribution from the scheme will reduce to 60%, um, and that will be to a maximum of £1,875 per month. And that will mean that employers will have to make up the, uh, the 20% to, to give the complete 80% of what employees are 
receiving through the scheme. But again, if employers had been paying voluntarily more than 80%, then they will make up that, that difference. So that's what's going to happen in terms of the contributions. Um, the other key thing that was uh, mentioned by the Chancellor in his announcement last week is that from the 1st of July, we will see flexible furlough introduced. Um, so that will mean that um, employees can continue to receive furlough pay for periods that they um, are not working, but employers will be able to flex the times when they, they can work. Um, now, we haven't seen what the detail is going to look like around this. We are expecting further detail details to be announced on the 12th of June. Um, not surprisingly, and we had anticipated that there would be some questions about how this relates to uh, temporary workers, um, but that the language relating to this flexibility is in reference to people's normal hours. Um, so we will need to see what the detail looks like on the 12th of June but I wouldn't be surprised to see that this uh, uh, flexible furlough isn't necessarily something that lends itself to, to temporary workers or any workers indeed who don't have some sort of normal hours in, in their contract. Um, so those are the, the, the key changes. I think another uh, date which is important for employers to bear in mind is that the uh, any final claims um, for the uh, um, for the scheme for people who haven't been furloughed will need to be made by the 31st of July. Um, the scheme is going to close to new entrants from the 30th of June, but given that you can only furlough people for a minimum of three weeks, um, the final date that you'll be able to furlough an employee for the first time will be the 10th of June. So key dates to keep in mind. Um, so those are the changes that we have had announced about the scheme. As I said, there will be further detail announced, um, expecting on the 12th of June. Thanks, Lorraine. That's a really clear indication. I think that first date for people to be aware of, that 10th of June date, is really important because what I've been getting around the country talking to recruitment business owners is uh, obviously they've had staff who've been on uh, furlough for a couple of months now and they have had people in the office working really hard to keep the business going and uh, a number of uh, recruitment business owners have been thinking about well maybe I should sub someone on from the furlough list and, and let uh, some of the people who have been really working really hard for us go on to furlough at this point. If you want to do that, I think Lorraine, correct me if I've understood you uh, wrongly, um, is that you'd have to make those decisions by the 10th of June, is that right? Yeah, the 10th of June, and that's for anyone who's being furloughed for the first time. So there's a really clear uh, focus there of get, preparing your furlough list to be stable for the long term uh, by the 10th of June. So not very long to run on that in order that you can uh, get that money back. Um, I think, Lorraine, the the question of co-payment is, is an interesting one. And obviously, when we think about uh, a recruitment uh, business, you've got two uh, two groups of potential furloughees. You've got consultants within the business and then you've got a large number of tents who've been furloughed. Clearly, the, there's a difference between the, those two in terms of how a uh, how an agency um, might want to handle the, the cases. And certainly on when we put out the REC's 
response to uh, the Chancellor's announcement on Thursday night, I think we were pretty clear that uh, once co-payment arrives, whether it's uh, on August the 1st in terms of national insurance and pension or into September and October at 10 and 20 percent of pay, clearly agencies who want temps to uh, remain uh, furloughed at that point would uh, would be facing some quite significantly increased costs um, and and so we were uh, what we said uh, uh, to back to government and to the press at that point was around uh, was to make it clear that unless there's client support in place for that money it's very likely that many temps will not be furloughed after the 1st of July and I anticipate Lorraine that we'll be starting to get questions like that on on the helpline over the next few weeks. Yes, I think that's inevitable. I mean, already a lot of recruiters have uh, taken a a bit of a hit when using the scheme in any case because they've not been able to claim back uh, another employer cost, which is the apprenticeship levy. Uh, And a lot of recruitment businesses have an issue of having, if you like, what looks like an inflated number of of, of workers against their actual core size. So a lot of businesses have already been um, meeting that cost without any support from the scheme. Um, But certainly moving forward to a point when the employer um, national insurance uh, contribution, the pension contribution isn't met, that will be a, another direct cost for um, recruiters and, and without being able to offset some of that cost um, from, from from their clients, um, they re- really will have to consider the impact of their business and I, I do expect to see a lot of recruiters uh, winding down their use of their scheme from that point um, and if not then certainly at the point when the employer contribution of the 10% from the 1st of September comes in and then the the 20% from the 1st of October. I think a lot of recruiters have have tried very, very hard to support their their temporary workers, Um, but it's a a different business model to other businesses and and this does represent a very real cost for them that they're not able to to get back um, through um, their charging to clients. There's clearly something there which is important for people to understand about just not assuming that furlough will roll on. There are some significant cost changes, and you mentioned um, uh, recruiters already taking on uh, the costs of uh, the apprenticeship load. There's also the cost of payroll, um, which a number of uh, uh, members have raised with me in in the within the current system. But uh, as well as that, I think the um, there's a significant challenge for government now, which is this wind down of the CGRS is really about a transition away from supporting people in the jobs they have now into the sort of jobs and uh, sustainable employment that we'll see coming through the other side of this crisis into the recovery. Um, And I think it's important to acknowledge that between the lines in the announcement here, there is a sense that what government wants to do is to encourage people not to remain in subsidised employment that may not exist uh, in the recovery all the way until October. That's why uh, employers are being asked to pay a little more through the the second half of the year to really test the metal on which jobs will roll back on when the economy normalises and which jobs in reality will reform into something else. So there's an implicit government 
encouragement in the announcements on Friday for people to be thinking about what their long-term staffing needs are. Uh, Lorraine, just coming back to the flexibility point, and you mentioned a flexibility was brought forward that people were expecting it to come in on August 1st, now coming in on July the 1st. It does seem that while, uh, as you say, it's not necessarily going to be a good option for uh, for attempts, for your own staff in terms of bringing people back a couple of days a week to uh, to start business development activity, for instance, there, there does certainly seem to be uh, some potential there for agencies to use flexible furlough well for their own business. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is really important. Um, we can certainly see from questions that we've had from, from members over the time that the scheme has been running that they have really wanted to have um, a bit more flexibility. They've been able to identify circumstances where they've they've got some work, um, not necessarily the full amount of work that, that they would need to, 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 to keep people working in the business. Um, and this has been a fairly persistent question, how people, how um, recruiters are able to to um, utilise their staff to do the work which is available, which without having just a black and white situation of someone's either furloughed and not able to work at all, or is in the office and perhaps there's not enough work to sustain them. So I think this is... Um, really important and certainly as we see um, lockdown measures easing um, and different sectors putting measures in place to allow their workers to get back into work um, this does give uh, recruiters and indeed other businesses um, the uh, ability to, to to ease staff back in rather than having this switched on or switch off mechanism. This is really important. I think a lot of businesses will see the benefit of this. Well, and if you go back to some of the discussions we've had on previous podcasts with people like uh, Bev White and Jeremy McGrail on uh, on leading a recruitment business in this time, clearly there is, before you get to the point of uh, of sale, there's a long period of discussion with clients about needs and really building up that trusted uh, supplier relationship which you need to be able to do so and you're having people in for a day or two a week to do some of that will be helpful but as you said earlier Lorraine really important to acknowledge that the details of that we don't have yet and and so we'll be looking to uh, the middle of the month before we see precisely how it will work from the 1st of July. Yes and I, I think this has been quite a pattern uh, with the scheme which has caused some uh, frustration I think where there's been a sort of large-scale announcement but we have to wait for the detail but I think the scheme is 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 you know recognized it's not one that is is simple um something like this that was you know being introduced ordinarily would be a lot more months in the making um so we we will just have to be a little bit patient um for for, for a couple of weeks until we get that detail and we can see exactly how it will will, will play out Thanks, Lorraine. And I think, you know, on the undercard to that big announcement about CGRS, there were a couple of other uh, things that were notable on Friday in the Chancellor's announcement. Uh, firstly, um, and we reacted to this uh, again, very little on the position of company directors, limited company directors, which is a clear gap in terms of support uh, in the current schemes and something that we've raised repeatedly with the Treasury and did so again in response. Uh, by contrast, uh, really quite a positive statement for self-employed workers, Lorraine, as the, uh, as the self-employed support scheme opened up to a second payment. 
Yes, so uh, this was a sort of parallel scheme that was uh, introduced alongside the JRS uh, for self-employed people. Initially, it was a a one-off payment, but it will be extended and uh, for a second and what's described as a final grant. Um, There is going to be some parity with the reduction that is being rolled out across the job retention scheme in that initially it paid 80% of average earnings, um, but it is going to be reduced to 70% of average earnings. Uh, So so there is a parallel in in the reduction. Uh, Obviously, for self-employed people, they have been able to continue working uh, while furloughed, which was different to the the job retention scheme. Um, But yes, that that is a a second lot of uh, support for self-employed, which is, is also important. Well, and as you uh, mentioned earlier uh, on the subject of flexibility on all of this, I think one of the big offers the REC has been making to government is, look, work with us to work through the detail of this so we get it right for sectors that don't look, uh, don't employ or don't pay people in the way that uh, the civil service are employed and paid. And and we've had a a series of discussions with the the Treasury and other departments over the last few weeks. But actually increasing in the REC's work, um, as well as that clarity which Lorraine and her colleagues are working so hard to achieve, there is the, there's also a pivot towards the future as we begin to open up at the end of the lockdown. And two things that I'd I'd point to um, that are really important uh, there. Um, first thing is we, we expect unemployment to rise through uh, the second half of the year, uh, as not everybody who's been furloughed will go back to their work. Um, I think that as part of that, we're going to need a really con- a robust response from from the government to uh, manage that unemployment crisis. Part of that is about using our industry well, as has happened in the past, to support and address those issues. We're having good discussions with both the Treasury and DWP on that, and we hope to have some uh, some ideas to bring forward for members in due course. Um, the, the second one is... Um, uh, it is more practical, but um, at the beginning of this crisis, one of the big worries of uh, members from across the REC was statutory sick pay costs. And we know, of course, that the government's protected the smallest employers from SSP costs, but uh, that doesn't include the smallest agencies because temps are counted towards the 250 employees bar. Um We've argued since the beginning that some form of further support is necessary, but I think at this point, now that the CJRS is starting to dissipate, there's a real case for us to go back on that and make sure that that protection is in place so that SSP concerns don't gum up the temp labour market at a time when uh, temporary work will be critical to addressing the uh, the um, the higher unemployment and need for uh, for work that we'll see across the British labour market. So two big REC priorities there that we're picking up with government last week and this week. Lorraine, before we uh, move off and maybe just to close things off from your point of view, I think it's fair to say that we've seen a light uptick in activity levels across the sector in the last couple of weeks as the lockdown's begun to ease. And we get that in feedback from members, but you're also still getting a range of requests to the helpline that aren't about coronavirus. Um, What's maybe the one or two key things that people are asking uh, about that aren't 
aren't COVID-19 related? Um, I think, yeah, there were a lot of changes, employment changes that came in uh, on on the 1st of April, uh, sorry, and 6th of April, that we had been anticipating from, you know, last year. And those were the things that we were uh, expecting to be driving a lot of queries to the helpline. Obviously, a lot of that got overtaken by um, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, but um, those issues are still there. So questions around um, the use of the uh, the new key information document, changes made in the agency workers regulations, um, members basically wanting to to be compliant, making sure that they've got the measures in place um, to uh, be fulfilling all of those requirements, and that does tell us that you know there is a an element of business as usual going on behind um, all of the coronavirus um, uh, questions and queries that that we, we're getting and it, it it does show that members are on the ball and wanting to be compliant with those those other other requirements even amidst all of the other pressures that they have to deal with Thanks, Lorena. Thank you for joining me on the pod today. I think that's been super informative and uh, always glad to have you here. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So just to uh, wrap up on today's podcast, uh, do check out uh, other uh, previous podcasts in the in the stream if you've enjoyed this one. Uh, if you're interested, for instance, in a point of view from clients about uh, and uh, aligning yourself with their needs on recovery, have a listen to episode 17 with Ruth Penfold from Launchpad. Other things for you to be aware of, on on Friday the 5th of June, we're publishing the latest report on jobs, so you can test uh, uh, that feedback that uh, Lorraine and I have just given you about whether there's been a a marginal beginning of a bounce back. That will be out on Friday the 5th of June, as I said. And if you haven't already caught up with our new jobs recovery tracker, which will be refreshing uh, pretty soon, uh, that's our uh, uh, local area by local area and job by job uh, measure of uh, jobs postings from across the job sites and that's also available uh, on the REC website at rec.uk.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of our REC podcast and we'll be back soon with another. Until then, stay safe and stay in touch. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.